What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Early Read Betsides College Football Betting Show Week 8 edition. I mean, time is just flying by here, but I am your host, Reed Wallach, at Reed Wallach on Twitter. Joined today by Walt Waddell of FTN Network. Make sure to check out his work on Twitter, at DubDeuces85. Walt, man, how's it going? Thank you for joining the show. Good morning. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I had mentioned to you beforehand, I, I've watched a couple of your episodes and, and get a lot of good betting information from you guys and your energy is very infectious. So I'm looking forward to uh, rapping with you here about the uh, yeah week eight. It's crazy how fast the season's going by. College basketball is only like 20 days away too, which is nuts. Yeah, it's, it's giving me the shakes just thinking about it. I mean, coming down from last weekend, it's seriously one of the craziest college football weekends of the year. We talked about it on last week's episode. We said it was going to be worth the hype, and it delivered completely. And now it makes it much easier, Well, because now, you know, I feel like college football playoff futures talk is a little boring when you're talking throughout the year because it's typically, you know, two, three teams. You know, are they going to win? Are they not going to win? It's not as exciting. Now, though, after last week, I think it actually opens up an incredibly interesting betting conversation. So just to recap the chaos of last weekend, um, and we're going to give you plenty of bets throughout the next 45 minutes. But just to start with the college football playoff talk, because, of course, Tennessee gets off the schneid. They beat Alabama 52-49, an absolute thriller on Rocky Top. Uh, Tennessee, I now I think you could firmly say, is now in the college football playoff conversation. Alabama still firmly in the mix. Of course, Georgia from the SEC. TCU beats Oklahoma State in overtime. TCU still undefeated in control of their own destiny. So TCU, a potential undefeated team. Um Another one, Clemson avoids a scare at Florida State. They win. They're still undefeated. And USC probably exits the conversation um, as a college football playoff contender, losing at Utah in another game that literally made me want to go outside for a walk. Like I needed to like breathe. I was like sitting there freaking out, 43-42 final. I needed like a second to breathe. And last one, Michigan rolls Penn State. Michigan still firmly in the mix. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, well, I'll start with you. Tennessee-Bama, that's really the big talking point, though. Do you think Tennessee is truly a college football playoff contender, or do you see this more as it makes it interesting, but we're still probably going to get the same end result come December? No, I, th I think they're definitely in the mix. Like there's a scenario where, you know, Bama, because I don't believe that they'll win the SEC title, but we'll see uh, a two-loss yeah. two Bama team gets in. So it sets up nice for the Vols, right? Their schedule, they've got a gimme against Tennessee Martin, a game against Kentucky where Will Levis can't – he's playing, but he's hurt a bunch yeah. of times already. Missouri, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, they have that game on November 5th against Georgia. So that's really the one they got to get past. But even if they lose, I don't think that necessarily dismisses them from the conversation. And it's no guarantee that they will lose. Hendon Hooker is playing amazing football this year. Georgia's – you know, they've had a couple of sleep wop games where it was like, whoa, what are they doing? And and I think that, yeah, the Vols are, are in the mix here. And I think that the, at worst they lose one the rest of the way. Um, yeah. And, you know, potential SEC title game. I think the sequencing of the events is like very interesting because they're not going to put three SEC teams in. No. If Bama loses now, they're out, whether it's in the SEC. Because yeah. how this sets up for those that don't know, Georgia and Tennessee are in the same SEC division. They are both, um, so only one of them can make the SEC title game. They meet in Athens, Georgia on November 5th. Alabama's in the other division. So they are going to be favored by double digits the rest of the way. They are likely still going to the SEC title game. I guess if they lose to uh, Ole Miss, they won't make it. But I think we could agree that Alabama, whether you like them or not this year, they're still probably going to win that game. Yeah, That Georgia-Tennessee game is really interesting because the winner of that game is likely going to the SEC title game. If they lose to Bama, I actually think that screws the loser of the regular season game out because 
Yeah. I think a one loss Bama SEC title team, that team is in. It's, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if it, they lose two, they're out. So for Tennessee or Georgia, that game in Athens is, makes it very interesting. That's why, like, you look at the national championship market, Tennessee took a big step forward. They're still 20 to one, though, because they're likely going to be two touch or maybe not two touchdowns, but double digit underdogs at Georgia in a few weeks. They lose that. They kind of lose control of their own destiny. They're now hoping for some help along the way. Will a UCLA, will a TCU, will a Clemson lose to really open up that fourth spot? So I think Tennessee, this cements them as part of the conversation, but they're not like a lot to get in or anything. This isn't like you need to be rushing to bet Tennessee futures. I think there's still a lot that needs to be determined there. Um, I'll move to the next one, though, because we saw USC kind of bow out of this race. And we're going to talk about UCLA and TCU later in the show. Let's talk about Clemson, though, because they go to Florida State, one of the better teams in the ACC. They close around a four-point favorite. They win. Score score line was a little bit nicer towards the end, but Clemson had control of that game. Um, Walt, do you think Clemson, it's kind of a shoo-in that they're just going to be that fourth team now? They're going to go undefeated and run the table in the ACC? Or you're still not sold on DJ and this Clemson offense yet? No. So see, I actually think the offense of Clemson is as, you know, they're playing under DJ like I thought they would last year. So that part of it's good. It's just that the defense isn't what we're accustomed to under a Dabo Swinney coach team. I'm actually going to talk about that game a little bit later. They're facing a very tough Syracuse team, but the Florida state game that, you know, very easily could have lost that wake forest because of DJ's a tremendous, you know, uh, offense and passing ability and rushing. They were able to out, you know, out hustle Sam Hartman to the finish line there in overtime. And then a very tough NSC state team, probably could have even lost that game. So they've been in some really close calls. And I think that eventually they're going to run into a spot here where, you know, they could actually lose to Syracuse or another of their game on the schedule. So I don't, I think they're out of the, the, the teams before buying for that fourth spot. They're a little susceptible to maybe, you know, bowing out. They do have a, a couple of tough games left. I know Notre Dame hasn't been great. Miami hasn't been great, but both still capable of putting yeah. together a good game. Right. Um, and, and I think these next, you know, couple, two out of three are, are going to really kind of tell us, what happens with them. Uh, but initially, yeah, I think they're the one that, that gives me the, the biggest heebie-jeebies, if you will, and I, I don't feel comfortable betting them because I, th- I think they will drop one of these games, I think, uh, between Syracuse, Miami, Notre Dame. Yeah, it's I guess Clemson still has more room to go. They're still closer to their peers, whereas like Ohio State, I think we could agree they are kind of head and shoulders above everybody else, especially in the Big Ten. So Ohio State's a shoe-in. Um, you could pencil in probably two SEC teams. It's that fourth team. So I'll ask you this before we get to our best bets. Right now today, on October 18th, because this is very important, we need to know these things, but what is your top four predictions, Walt? What would you say the college football playoff rankings is? If you have them in order, that's great, but I'll just take just four. doesn't matter for order. So it's tough. I don't don't, – I'll kind of say – well, yeah, Ohio State, number one, definitely. I'm really – sickly high on Michigan. I mean, I can't see it, you know, two SEC, two Big Ten coming in. That would be probably too crazy. But, shoot, Michigan is, you know, uh, probably going to run the table until they get to that Ohio State game. So, probably the winner of that one ultimately ends up pushing the other out. But as it stands right now, I do think the best four are Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia. As far as making the actual, you know, playoff, it probably is Georgia, Ohio State, and then a second SEC team, whether that's Tennessee or, or Alabama. And then I will say Clemson, even though I think they're the most susceptible to dropping out, but I really think this Michigan team's well deserving of, of being in it. And the Pac-12 is is definitely dead. You got to see the Pac-12 refs. It's funny in basketball and, and football. The Pac-12 refs are amongst the worst. 
um, in the world, in the world, I'll say. And you got to see that uh, again, that USC game. So unfortunately, yeah. my top 12 is out of it, but uh, that's where I'm at with the, with the four right now. Let me rant real quick because yeah. I had money on Utah last week. And again, I don't know the rule per se, but that pass interference call, and just to set the table for everyone that didn't see USC goes down by one after Utah gets a two point conversion with 13 seconds left or something like that. They're trying to drive down the field. Utah pass interference intercepts a pass from Caleb Williams, starts returning it. They stop the clock. They restart the clock. There's eight seconds left. They review the clock. They put more time back on the clock because they said an inadvertent whistle stopped the play after the interception. If somehow USC would have gone into field goal range and lost for, you know, if you watch your read, you know, I hate this USC team. There would have been a remote through the television there. I would have absolutely blown a gasket. It would have been an absolute disaster. So thankfully we avoided some PAC 12 uh, referee uh, carfuffle there, but I will happily take my Utah win there. Um, I still have them to win the Pac-12, so I'm pumped to talk about that. Um, If we're talking top four for me, I'm going to go – it's really boring. I'm going to go most likely probably Ohio State, Georgia. I think Georgia beats Tennessee, and then they probably lose to Alabama, similar to last year. Alabama gets in, winning the SEC. And then I'm going to go Clemson. I I honestly think Clemson's impressed me relative to my expectation of them this year. So I am on the – Clemson bandwagon is at 14 just for sequencing. And last year I thought this was a four, you know, I thought this is an anti-expansion year. Uh, last season, I just thought there weren't that many deserving teams. This year it's the complete opposite. I think this is the perfect year for expansion. You see so many really, really good teams grouped into the middle. Of course you have Ohio state, Georgia, Bama, probably those three a little bit higher than everyone, but everyone else is awesome this year. And I'm really pumped to talk about a few of them. So great talk there updating the college football playoff market. Let's talk some best bets for this week, right? So last week, good week for the show from yours truly. Five and two last week, 31-24 and one against the spread on the year. So that's some good stuff. If you minus 110 each way, uh, you're up a little bit more than four units on the year. So that's pretty good there. Um, If you have any questions for games, we're going to hit on a bunch right now, but make sure to ask and we'll get them at the end of the show. While you're there, make sure you like and subscribe to the Betside YouTube channel. But we will now talk our marquee matchup. UCLA traveling to Eugene to take on Oregon. Walt, I know you are a Pac-12 guy, so I'm going to get some really unique insight here from you. But UCLA, both teams off a of bye, but UCLA is the undefeated team. They're catching six now with a total in the 70s. Uh, both offenses have been absolutely dynamite. Um, Walt, I'll start with you here. Kind of catch me up here because Oregon, they were in the public sphere, get blown up by Georgia week one lose by 40 plus since then they've hung 40 on every, every single game. The offense is humming with Bo Nix. Is that sustainable? Or do you think that's a product of the competition? Because both teams I think have some suspect strength of schedules. Yeah. And as, as a, as a big, so I'm a big Washington Husky fan. I'll get that out of the way. So I'm a, I'm a huge Oregon hater. I will, I will admit (laughs) that. So they, I do feel people will argue probably, but they come into the season hyped all the time for football. Sometimes it's deserved. Sometimes it's not, but they, they definitely got humbled early. Um, I will say that Bo Nix is playing out of his mind, and that really yeah. speaks to the, the quality of play between the SEC to the Pac-12. As a Pac-12 guy, I can admit that we have a lot weaker uh, you know, uh, uh, teams in the conference, and you're seeing Bo Nix out there looking like the Heisman. Um, he is very, very good throughout his career, though, at home, so that is a little bit nerve-wracking for me here. You know, He's been really good, thrown for over 1,500 yards. Mm-hmm. Only three interceptions to 12 touchdowns this year. 
rushing like just crazily 331 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground. So at home though, throughout his, you know, multi-year career, 32 touchdowns only picked off twice when he's on the road, it's 15 touchdowns with three interceptions or 13 interceptions. So mm. a lot more comfortable at home. So that's definitely a bit of a concern here with this Oregon side. They're another team to, for me, like Clemson offensively, they're, they're definitely legit. I think that Bo Nix can continue to produce like this because the competition is lesser, but defensively, they're just not all there like a normal year Oregon team would be, you know, Washington State forward 41 on them. Uh, BYU scored only 20, but that game was was a little bit weird yeah. at first. Stanford was in the mix. They ended up bowing out late into the quarter. And then Arizona, they 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 kind of really took control of those games in the second half. First half, their defense was kind of, you know, giving up all these different touchdowns, long passes. They do that against UCLA. They're definitely not going to be able to build a, a, a big lead there. So um, I think UCLA ha- is not – there's some, you know, probably some overrated thoughts here or, or, you know, chasing them a bit. But they're really good. Defensively, they're not as sharp either. But DTR is playing extremely well. His passing numbers are fantastic. Uh, Career-high 75% completion rate this season alone. 15 <laughs> touchdowns to only two interceptions. His growth, his interceptions number is usually pretty low, but that's really impressive, 15-2. to two. Um, And he's still doing it on the ground, 231-4. to four. Oregon's defense is where it comes into play, though, for DTR. They yeah. gave up 305-2 to two and two touchdowns to Jaron Hall. 375 and two to Cam Ward and 368 and two to Stetson Bennett. Now Hall's kind of more known as a rushing guy, Stetson Bennett, you know, he's been good, but you don't think of elite for him. Cam Ward came from incarnate word. So those are all decent guys, but a guy like DTR with his weapons, like Jake Bobo, Zach Charbo, as I like to call him, can definitely do some damage here. So that plus six number looks pretty appealing, even though Oregon is much better at home. Yeah. I see this the same way as you, I mean, total in the seventies, but you know, I like the way you set that up. It's two very similar teams. Two teams top five in success rate, two teams outside the top 90 in defensive success rate. So you're looking at back and forth here, total in the 70s. I don't hate to look at the over, but I make this game closer to Oregon minus three. I think that these two teams are pretty, you know, comparable. You made, you made a lot of good points there. Um, it looks like a back and forth affair, and I want the team with the points. I don't want to count on Oregon to pull away and win with margin, have to win by, you know, more than one touchdown. So I'm going to take the six also. This reeks of even if Oregon is up by 10. DTR is going right down the field and scoring. And, you know, it's narrative But Chip Kelly back home, back home in Eugene, maybe get something cooking there. Both teams had a bye to prepare. Um, I love what I've seen from this or uh, from this UCLA offense. DTR, Charbonnet, like you said, Jake Bobo, the Duke transfer has been lights out. Um, I like UCLA here. I think they're going to be live for a win. I think that, you know, this is more of a coin flip than anything. So catching six, um, I'm going to take the Bruins with you. So there's some quick marquee matchup thoughts. Let's just pull those both up. Only one bet to know about. Me and Walt both taking UCLA catching six. Um, I don't they think really, this is real quick, They really solidified things, not to interrupt you. They really solidified things against Utah for me. I was still kind of antsy about UCLA, but after what they did to Utah, I'm definitely a believer, to be honest. Yeah, it's a, a little concerning that they are going on the road. You know, they beat Washington at home. They beat Utah at home. But I agree with you. Beating Utah, whether you think they're down or not compared to other years, Utah is, to me, the the bar to clear in the Pac-12. And UCLA carved them. Um, so I like this. I can't really trust Oregon's defense to win with margin against a quality team. Since they played Georgia, they really haven't been challenged all that much. And they're still allowing points, like you mentioned. So I like that we're both on the same page there. I think the other conference we need to hit on this week, just based on the matchups, is the Big 12. There's two specific matchups I want to talk about. It's the two teams that are undefeated in conference play, TCU and Kansas State, um, and then also Texas versus Oklahoma State. So let's start on the TCU-Kansas State side because 
These were the two teams I was highest on going into the year. I have a future. I split a unit on both TCU and Kansas State to win the Big 12. So this is like kind of tracking towards like my dream sit and enjoy the conference championship game. But one of these teams are going to lose their first conference game this week. TCU, of course, won a thriller last week coming back against Oklahoma State. Kansas State, meanwhile, they had a bye to prepare for the Horn Frogs and Sonny Dykes' new offense. Walt, I know you have a play on this game, so I'll start with you and then I'll give my thoughts. TCU spread around three and a half now coming down from Kansas State uh, on the Kansas State side. And then the over now is sitting at 56 and a half. So that has also trickled down from the open. Okay, nice. Yeah. So see, I'm I'm the opposite on the total there. And that sometimes makes me a little nervous. I saw it was at 58 and a half earlier, but I'm, I'm definitely mm-hmm. on the over. Um, you know, coming into it, TCU's got the 14th ranked running game, uh, Kansas State seventh ranked. So, you, you know, you're not thinking, oh, they're going to run a lot, ball control, not a lot of scoring opportunities. Why would I want to take the over? The pace of play for especially TCU has been just super frenetic lately. They're their you know defense has been giving up a lot of points also because they're just marching down the yeah. field and scoring in you know less than five minutes each time. Uh, the TCU and their opponents have had at least fifty nine points in six or five of their six games this season, so I feel pretty comfortable with that. Uh, Kansas State games have hit in two of their last three on the over as well. They're not quite as a high scoring team, uh, but together they combined for seventy four and a half points. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how how uh, Max Dugan, I always call him Hacksaw. If you guys are wrestling fans from the eighties and nineties, I was calling that. Yeah, two by uh, four. <laughs> he's been crushing. Um, you know, he initially lost that job to Chandler Morris. Then Morris got hurt, tilted him right back into the mix. And, and he's just, he's playing so well, 1600 passing yards, roughly 16 touchdowns to only one interception. So another guy who's really kind of, you know, quelled his interceptions number. And lately he's shown an ability to run the football, 261 yards and four touchdowns. One of those games was against Oklahoma, who everyone is, is having their best game against pretty yeah. much. Um, but still it's been impressive that he's doing that. His running main running back, Kendry Miller, is an absolute dog, over 500 yards and four touchdowns. And then the big thing for me is Quentin Johnson, who came into the season with some some a lot of hype as you know the top wide receiver in the conference, just a complete no-show the first three, four games. The last two games, he's really taken off 22 catches for 386 yards and two touchdowns. So he looks more like the WR1 that they want. Uh, Max is finding him now with that type of, of weapon out there. They have to account for the running game as well. And there's just a lot of balance now with this TCU offense as opposed to before QJ could, could really start going off. And then on the Kansas State side, it's it's wild to say, but Adrian Martinez is, is, has just been ridiculously good. Not necessarily oh. as a passer, but as a rusher, yeah. Um, he He's racked up, you know, 546 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. The great thing is that he's cut back on his mistakes. You know, with Nebraska over the past few years, you can always count on him to have a big game. And then that fourth quarter, he would throw just a, a, you know, crippling interception or a fumble. And he hasn't really had that happen so far. Um, He's only thrown for four passing touchdowns, but he does have no interceptions, which is great. He's not, you know, turning the ball over a lot. Uh, He has cut into Deuce Vaughn's numbers, but he's just been completely unstoppable. And TCU's run defense has been pretty porous as well. They've given up some big plays. Deuce Vaughn is still looming in the backfield. He almost has 700 rushing yards, despite Amart taking all of these stats from him. Um, And offensively, there's just going to be a lot of points scored here. TCU's a little bit better than I think they've shown defensively, but the fact that they keep pushing the pace so much and are are scoring so quickly, the defense is just wearing out. So the other side is able to score a lot more. So uh, 56 and a half is is great news. I think that's even better. A couple of weeks ago, there was a total between Clemson and NC State. It was sitting at like 40. I think there were some hurricane worries, but that was to me, it was like, wow, this is a super slam. Those teams are definitely going to score that. I feel similar about this one with the, with the 56 and a half. So I know a lot, yeah. a lot of your viewers probably don't know me that well, but uh, <laughs> I am, I'm giving a very high confidence uh, points to this one. 
Yeah, fond memories of that Clemson NC State total. I had the over in that one game. It said, you know, screw the hurricane. <laughs> we're yeah. we're yeah. riding this over out. Um, I think you make some great points there on the over. I mean, TCU 38 or more in every single game, like you mentioned. Kansas State, I think, is going to try and slow this game down. It's tough to slow down, though, when TCU is going up and down the field, right? Um, so I think each team getting a 28 points, spread a three. If this, I, I'm curious of a TCU letdown at some point because these games are just high intensity every week. Can they keep it up? Getting Kansas State off a bye. I lean towards the over as well. Maybe not as much conviction as you, but to me, I can't take an under right now with this Kansas State, uh, with this TCU offense. I think that Kansas State's going to need to score to win this game. I don't think they're going to be able to, to make this a muddy 17 14 type game. Yeah. Kansas State showed they could score on offense. I know TCU's better, defense is better than Oklahoma, but Kansas State has shown they could rip off explosive plays and get in the end zone. So I like the over. The other game's a little bit more confusing to me. And Oklahoma State's now catching six and a half. Hand up, made a really, I guess, silly bet. I bet Oklahoma State plus three and a half because I thought Oklahoma State maybe should have been like pick in this game or maybe minus one in this game. Um, plus six, sorry. But I just can't get to this number. I can't figure out what we're supposed to do with Texas, who they blow out Oklahoma 49-0, but we saw last week the drop-off for Oklahoma's offense, winning 49-0 to me against a Sooners team with their backup quarterback is not as impressive. Then they play Iowa State, and they struggle. They should have lost that game. I watched the end. Iowa State drops a touchdown. They fumble with two minutes to go about to tie it. So I don't really know how we rate Quinn Ewers. Yes, this Texas team is really good, but – this was an Oklahoma State team that was catching five in Fort Worth last week against that TCU team and lost in overtime. I understand there's Spencer Sanders, you know, shoulder injury worries, but, you know, maybe I'll put on my clown mask again and I'll bet against it. But you're giving me a still quality Oklahoma State team, maybe not college football playoff good, but still a good team, a contender in the Big 12. This is still a big game for them. You know, I just don't trust Texas going on the road. Still need to prove it to me. I don't really know how to get a clean rating on Texas because of all the Quinn Ewers injuries. They've lost some games. They haven't covered. So I think it's all weird. Walt, do you have any sort of, you know, finger on the pulse of Texas right now? Because to me, this line, it's one-way traffic towards Texas. I have to play back against this. This is just too wide. Yeah, and that's, you know, last week I, I was talking to lots of people. I was like, this Iowa State, like, plus 15, plus 16, wherever whatever book you could get it at. And I was like, this is way too high. I know Texas looked fantastic, but it was against Oklahoma. Again, everybody's lighting Oklahoma up. Mm -hmm. Iowa State's defense is a lot better. They can compete and keep this close. Like, that 15 was way too high. This feels, you know, I'm not nearly as excited about it, but I, I don't ever trust Texas really. You know, every time we do over the past couple of seasons, and I know it's a new year, new team, whatever. Uh, every time you start to trust them or you put any money on them, they they break your heart. And it's been that way mm -hmm. for, for a couple of years now. So I think that Spencer Sanders, who is another guy like Amart, has, has had some mistake prone stuff in the past, has cleaned that up. Uh, I think there's a lot of to do about nothing with the rumors of his shoulder stuff and not playing. That was just kind of silly talk. Um, but they're a really strong team. He's got, you know, multiple to weapons and, and Texas defensively, um, you know, looking at it, they shut Oklahoma out without Gabriel, but they're giving up, you know, 20 plus points pretty consistently. And this Oklahoma state team can score. So I'm with you on the, uh, the other side there. And I, I just can't put any money on Texas. And, and anytime there's this large spread on them, I, uh, I will definitely consider the other end. Yeah, so there's some Big 12 talk again. Big week. It feels like every week these Big 12 teams are just going in absolute heavyweight battles. So uh, Walt's taking the over 56.5 in TCU, Kansas State. I am taking Oklahoma State plus six against Texas at home. I'm going to – I I listen, maybe Spencer Sanders doesn't play, but that's still a big spread to cover Oklahoma yeah. State to me. Maybe not an elite team, but I think they're still a quality club. So I think they could cover 
um, at home and also be live for an upset. So now let's talk some underdogs. I think I bet on, I think my entire card is just underdogs. So uh, this will be a special underdog segment, but you were talking about another marquee matchup that I'm happy we are talking about because it deserves shine. Two undefeated clubs, a team I've been backing heavily this entire season. Syracuse football, the team from Western New York, they're traveling to Clemson, catching nearly two touchdowns. Well, give me the handicap here. Yeah, so this is the real Orange Bowl, right? Between the two orange <laughs> teams. Um, yeah, last two unbeaten teams in the, the ACC. Q's probably, you know, much more of a, a bigger surprise, I think. Um, coming into it, they're 5-1 and one against the spread. Defensively, they've held their last two opponents to a combined nine points. Granted, that was against Wagner and an NSA State team without Devin Leary. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, but they're definitely playing some some really, really good football. The maturation of Garrett Schrader as a passer and not just a, a rusher this season has made them completely, you know, dominant on offense at times. They're not as one-dimensional. Um, uh, WR1, Oronde Gadsden's dad's name might sound familiar to some of you. He's emerged as a big part of their success. He's got 31 catches for over 500 yards, five touchdowns. You know, teams in the past would be able to kind of just box up and, and try to stop Sean Tucker, their stud running back, which he still is a stud. Um, but that, like I said, the, the emergence of that passing game has really kind of stuck out to me and made Syracuse a much more efficient offense. Um, Clemson, like I said, I feel like of the, the that fourth team going into the, the playoff, they're the most susceptible to possibly losing. And this is one game that I think could potentially lose. I know they're at home. The cover to me, I think, is is close. Last year, I believe it was 17 to 14. Clemson won by three. Clemson does have a 37 uh, a straight game winning streak at home. They're eight and one against Syracuse under Dabo Sweeney. So, you know, the, the win for Syracuse probably asking for a lot, but the cover not nearly as much. And again, the, the last, you know, two of the last three for Clemson that really could have gone either way for them to lose. Offensively, things are, are cooking for them, but it's just that defense that hasn't been as solid. Syracuse's defense has been much more consistent, although they've gotten to face some teams without, you know, some of their starters like Leary, uh, mm. banged up Louisville team. There's just been, you know, some, some games where they've kind of had the benefit. Um, and then as far as Clemson's defense goes, you know, they gave up over 200 rushing yards last week. A couple of weeks ago, they gave up 300 plus passing yards to the almost machine like Sam Hartman. He does it every week. So I think there's just going to be plenty of opportunities for Syracuse to keep this within, you know, seven to 10 points. Not necessarily going to stick my neck out and say, yeah, money line this. They're yeah. But I think that covering 14 points is, is definitely, uh, or, or them just, you know, staying within the 14 is going to be definitely doable. Um, and that just has to do with the, like I said, Schrader being a, a better passer this season and Clemson, uh, they're due a, a letdown. I, I don't want to say due. Yeah. I hate I hate using that term. It's kind of whatever, but uh, they're just a letdown has to be coming for them. I know you're pretty, sounds like you're pretty high on them, but uh, it's kind of where my yeah. head's at with them. Yeah, offensive coordinator Robert and I from Virginia has really upgraded this offense uh, to a really high level. So um, I can't hate it there. I don't know if I'm going to be on it. Just I want to see if I can get that 14 uh, with Syracuse. But listen, Syracuse always plays Clemson tough for some reason. It's one of those matchups that Dino Babers always has uh, the orange up for. So listen, the team from Western New York, maybe they'll uh, make that college football playoff conversation we were talking about earlier. Um, mine, you're going down South. I'm going out West. I'm going to take Boise state plus three and a half. Um, I think Boise State's going to win this game outright. Uh, they hit rock bottom a few weeks ago and then they cleaned house. Hank Bachmeyer, he put when the transfer portal, they fired their offensive coordinator. They brought back in Dirk Cutter, former, uh, head coach in the NFL, former Boise head coach. He's back. Uh, and Taylor Green has kind of upgraded this offense to a high level. They've scored 30-plus in their last two games against San Diego State and Fresno State. Now they get a bye to prepare for Air Force, and that's only going to help this already elite defense. You know, Boise State got off to a slow start because their offense, not because their defense. The team is fifth in success rate, 
top 20 against the run. They're at, allowing less than three yards of carry. What do we know about Air Force? Triple option. All they do is run. So um, I like Boise. They get the bye to prepare. And I bet Air Force last week. I laid the nine and a half against UNLV, and they smoked UNLV 42 to seven. It was an absolute romp. But it was a little fraudulent. UNLV drove the first drive of the game, fumbled. Air Force comes back and scores. Then they fumble the ensuing kickoff. It's 14 nothing before you know it. So it's off to the races. So I think Air Force being a little overrated, they've lost to Utah State and Wyoming as big favorites before. This game a little bit closer, but I think Boise is the better team. I'm going to take the points. I think they win this game outright. Um, I know some three and a halfs are gone. Three minus 110, certainly good with me. Um, that'd be the last buy point. But yeah, give me Boise off the buy. This is a great setup. I think Boise State is a play on team going forward until the market catches up to them. Uh, Walt, any thoughts there before we move on to our late night action, which I guess is like yeah, they 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 were well past the the Hank Bachmeyer era. I know they had mm-hmm. been staying loyal to him, but uh, everyone and you know I I'm pretty DFS uh, oriented on some of my stuff, and I've been you know kind of chomping at the bit for Taylor Green to get in there, and uh, you know in that week one game he was, was so phenomenal, and and now that they've they've turned the ball over to him, and and Bachmeyer's you know kind of set sail that they're they're playing a lot better, so um, I have to like that bet for sure because under him they're just so much more explosive. The running game is much better. It's opening up the passing lanes. Just a much better product on the field with uh, with Green out there, for sure. So let's bring up that underdog. Uh, recap graphic. Walt, he's taking the R in Syracuse plus 13 and a half against Clemson. And I am taking Boise State plus three and a half against Air Force. If you want to take plus three minus 110, that's totally cool. Also, um, that's a buy for me. So you are a West Coast guy. I guess this is like late night for me. Both games are starting, I believe, after 10 o'clock Eastern. So um, our under the lights segment, um, I am obviously, again, looking at an underdog, but you're looking at a favorite. So let me hear it, Walt. What is your late night play? Uh, to keep people interested late. Yeah, I wasn't sure that the time zones, which one you guys were going to consider late. So <laughs> I looked at this one and, and and I've been trying to pick on Nevada a little bit. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. SDSU minus seven versus Nevada. It's been a really like bad down year for Mountain West football. You know, there's there's just, you know, UNLV was cooking for a while. Then they've got the injuries, you know, at quarterback and they're kind of falling off. And, and SDSU has kind of been up and down. But Nevada, you know, they've just been bad. They obviously Norvell is, is off to Colorado state. Many people transferred. They still have Toa Tawa, but they just, they don't have a lot going on for them. Uh, they just gave up 31 points to Hawaii, off, Hawaii offense that has really struggled throughout the season. Um, they have no wins against the spread. Speaking of Nevada defensively, they're giving up almost 400 yards of total offense, 185 of that on the ground. So you're looking for when you're, you're going against Nevada, a, a, a marquee running back, uh, Hawaii's Dedrick Parson, a guy I love for DFS. He rushed for 136 and three last week. Colorado State's Avery Amaro rushed for 168 two weeks ago. And then speaking of Air Force, Brad Roberts, who gets a ton of carries for them, he rushed for 123 and three. And then Iowa rush, uh, Caleb Johnson rushed for 103 and two. The Aztecs do have an RB1 that is solid in Jordan Bird. He's rushed for over 300 yards this year. Pretty much can expect a heavy diet of him throughout. I think, you know, the Aztecs kind of favor that ball control style offense themselves. They don't want to have, uh, you know, the Burmeister throwing too much. Um, and once they get a little bit of a lead, they'll just, you know, just run the clock out and, and kind of, you know, dare Nevada to even score, you know, seven to 10 points. So I think we're looking at a pretty safe Aztecs win here by by 10 to 14 points. And uh, yeah, going to be riding this one pretty, pretty high. Good. Love that. Um, great stuff on Nevada's rush defense. But um, I'm going to go, I, I guess this is like even grosser. So I'm going to take Cal <laughs> plus seven and a half against Washington at home. So let me just backtrack here. Last week, I took Colorado catching two touchdowns at home against Cal. 
I bet them on the money line plus 500. I said, like, I kind of, you do not want to bet Justin Wilcox as a favorite. He is terrible as a favorite. I don't have the number up in front of me anymore, but it's almost the complete opposite when he's an underdog. 22, 9, and 1 against the spread as an underdog. When it's a touchdown or more, 16 and 3 against the number. I mean, this is ridiculous. He's awful as a favorite, and he's terrible as an underdog. It is like the perfect swing here. And now, Nobody's going to want Cal after they lose to Colorado, a team that was winless, fired their coach. But I'm going to take him catching over a touchdown against Washington. The team has struggled on the road this season. They got smoked by UCLA. They got smoked by Arizona State, who also is terrible, um, who had their backup quarterback in that game. I believe they allowed 45 points in that game. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Yeah. Cal, this is a team that plays slow. They like to stick to teams. Uh, you know, maybe Jack Plummer could get the passing game going against a really bad Washington secondary. Um Another one where the back door is probably going to be open late. Um, so, yeah, give me Wilcox in his preferred spot um, as an underdog. Um, yeah, I think this and Owen. Cal is live to win this game late. I might end up uh, with a little money line dart on this one as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you are a Husky guy, so let me hear. Am I am I wrong here? Is no, my, I, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I have to, you know, I'm a, a homer for the Huskies, but I, I can admit when we're terrible on defense right now, and it's, it's tough because there's, there's actually pros on this defense, but there's a real issue with them tackling the football and, and defensively in the game of football, you, you have to be able to tackle and stop people. And, and they're not the doing that. It was very glaring against Arizona state, but yes, when they're at home, they're a completely different team. That's something I noted on, on Twitter a couple, like last week during the game, Michael Penix is just, you know, he's phenomenal at home and he's, he's still pretty good on the road, but defensively they fall apart. The, the offense isn't as solid. Roma Duns is my guy at wide receiver. He's been crushing it, but yeah, the, the fact that they can't tackle receivers are, are multiple receivers are getting, you know, 85 plus receiving yards against them. The rush defense hasn't been good. I was all over Jaden Knott last week for Cal, his prop, but he, he did terrible against Colorado, uh, which is probably why they lost. But I think he has a nice bounce back week against us. And and yeah, it wouldn't shock me if they win. I don't think they will, but but yeah, it'll be like a, a three-point game late. So you're going to be alive. Yeah. For sure. Like Cal driving late. Yeah. You know, Washington needs to find like a stop late, like in like the four, like at like the 40 or something. And I'll be pacing a hole in my floor, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll be pacing in my apartment at like 2.30 in the morning. At least it'll be like a regular, normal right. hour for you. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was great. Um, so there's our under the lights. Let's pull up that recap graphic. I know we each have a few more bets we want to get to here. But San Diego State minus seven is Walt's late night uh, play against Nevada. And then I'm taking Cal plus seven and a half against Washington. So there's all our segments. If you have questions, start filling them in. We will get to them in just a few minutes. I have three more bets. Ironically, they are all underdog bets. So I'm just going to go really quick here, Walt. And then if you have any other ones, feel free. Anything you want to plug, player props, whatever you want to do, uh, feel free. This is kind of like open time where you could do whatever you want. But I'll start Friday night, UAB plus two and a half. Another game I think UAB is going to win this game outright. Western Kentucky, they have wins over Austin P, Hawaii, FIU and Middle Tennessee. Maybe one of those teams, Middle Tennessee, is not a bottom 30 team in the entire country. One of them is an FCS team. Um, UAB, on the other hand, they've scored 34 or more in all their wins. Uh, two losses, kind of tough. A uh, lot of fumbles against Liberty, and then they lost a tough one to Rice. I love this UAB team. I think they're a play-on team in the Conference USA moving forward. Secondary should slow down the Western Kentucky Air Raid. They are 11th in EPA per pass this season, 14th in completion percentage allowed, and 34th in explosive pass defense. I think UAB runs wild in this one. I think they win this game out, right? So plus two and a half, a play for me on UAB. Next, uh, Navy 
I think this is plus three now, but uh, plus three is still good. Fading Houston. I don't trust them. Like similar to Boise State, like they got to buy to prepare for the triple option, but I'm not buying it with Houston. Second most penalties per game in the entire country. Daniel Holgerson has completely lost the script with this team. Navy, super disciplined. You know what you're getting with them. Um, they are actually the second uh, least penalized team in the country, just over three per game. So I don't trust this Houston team going on the road, laying points. And just for reference, Navy, they seem to beat the same teams over and over again. It's kind of a trend. I know that players change sometimes, but you know, year over year, it's not that bad. Uh, last year, Houston closed a 20-point home favorite against Navy, and they only won by eight. So I know it's not that's not like the only reason to make a bet, but I'm just saying Navy has shown a propensity to stick close to Houston in the Daner Holgerson Rivers in the Daner Holgerson era. So um, I'll take Navy at a field goal or more. They're playing really good football lately. Uh, the offense coming alive. And last one, UTEP plus four at home against FAU. Don't trust FAU as a favorite against anybody. UTEP had a bye to prepare for this one. Um, they're top 30 nationally in tackles for loss. And if you look last week, FAU beat Rice by three at home. Uh, they had the lowest post-game win expectancy for a winning team last week per Bill Connolly of ESPN. 15% win expectancy. So they probably should have lost if they lose that game to Rice. Are they favored in this game? Um, I like UTEP uh, with the extra prep. So plus four, another game. So just to recap right there, UTEP plus four, Navy plus three, UAB plus two and a half. All underdog early read episode for me. Walt, do you have any other bets you'd like to share? Yeah, I love that UAB call. I actually looked at that for for a minute, but I'm glad I didn't. But their their running game is phenomenal, so I'm I'm with you on that. I, I like that one a lot. Um, so I have two. Uh, the prop, prop I do hit the like to hit the prop market, but it doesn't look like there's too much up. So uh, I'll uh, kind of you know have that up on Twitter and stuff later this week if anyone's interested. But I do have two that I'm really looking at. Uh, Memphis plus seven versus Tulane. Memphis has lost back-to-back heartbreakers, right? They The multiple overtime game against ECU just lost 47-45. And then and late to that Houston team that is very susceptible to just throwing games mm-hmm. away, 33-32. So really close losses. Tulane, I know they've been very tough. They actually own wins over Houston and Kansas State. Um, but I think that that this Memphis offense, it's just it's got a lot of juice on the, the running side. They've got plenty of receivers. Uh, Tulane's just, you know, uh, they have the firepower with Tajay Spears to kind of keep up with Memphis. But I think that this will be one that ends up going down to the wire. And, and whether Memphis ultimately wins or not doesn't really matter too much. I just think it'll be like a, a three to, you know, six point game. So give me Memphis with that seven just because of the way that they've been playing right now. Um, and then Oregon State, we just talked about Colorado. Uh, Oregon State's a 24 point home favorite against Colorado. Colorado's just terrible. I, I was all over Jay <laughs> Knott last week. The, the the reason why is because they give up over 250 yards on the ground. So I typically like to target the RB props against them. They don't have a number for that just yet, but Oregon State does have a, a kid by the name of Damian Martinez. Broke out last week against the Cougars, rushed for 111 yards. He's been kind of trending towards taking the carries away from Deshaun Fenwick and, and Griffin, so that finally happened. If he gets like 20 to 25 carries, he will rush for 200-plus yards against this uh, Colorado team, and, and I know 24 is a lot, but I, I don't think the Buffaloes will probably even be able to score you know, six to seven points against them. The Beavers' defense is a lot better than people realize, so I am going to take them as a big favorite, minus 24, and then Memphis at plus seven there against Tulane. Yeah, Memphis is on my list uh, as games I would kind of want to dive into. I'm not like rushing to bet that one. Um, I had ECU last week uh, laying the three, got a good number there, and they could not close it out. But yeah, I, I lean towards the Memphis side. I'm not really sold on Tulane as you know winning with margin. Another team, I faded Tulane last week with South Florida. Um, kind of thought I was going to get there. Bohannon gets her, kind of goes off the rails. But 
Yeah, I will um, be sure to dive into that one a little bit more. All my bets while we're here, a little PSA. All my bets the rest of the week are on my bet stamp at RW33. Just download the app. Uh, you can find all my bets there. There will be plenty, plenty more. Um, so let's get to some questions here, Walt, before we get out of here. Someone asked about the Oregon State game, so happy we hit that one. Um, we'll start with South Carolina at home against Texas A&M. Um, to me, it's South Carolina or pass. I'm a little nervous with Texas A&M's defense. Can they just, you know, get Spencer Rattler running for his life every which way? Um, you know, I'm a, li- I'm a little nervous about South Carolina off. Um, you know, they beat Kentucky. But that was with Kentucky's back quarterback. Then they had a bye. So maybe they are trending up. But I don't know. I'm not rushing to lay points with Texas A&M. It would be South Carolina or pass. But I'm probably going to be more on the pass side for this. Do you have any opinion here? Yeah, I I would probably just leave it alone as well. The the South Carolina rush defense is really bad. So if you know A and M with Devin and Shane can can theoretically just run the football repeatedly, but it, yeah. I have a lot of trust with them because they've been in good matchups before where he got kind of shut down and and they couldn't generate points. So it's not one that I like at all, actually. But uh, I'm with you. I would I would you know if I had to take something, I'd probably go SC there. But I don't like it. Yeah, and then last one we'll get to Kansas upsetting Baylor. So. Interesting setup for this game. Um, Blake Shapin left the Thursday night game against West Virginia. Baylor's quarterback, he was slinging it. Uh, he left with a concussion. I believe it was a concussion. Left with an injury. Didn't finish the game. Uh, Kansas, of course, we know that they're likely on to Jason Bean for the foreseeable future. They were able to move the ball in Oklahoma. Um, we just kind of trashed Oklahoma for the past 45 minutes here. But they were able to move the ball so can Kansas stay within, I want to say it's like seven now. I haven't looked at an updated market here, but, um, you know, I kind of think Baylor's defense gets right, but if it's not Blake Shapin, there was a significant downgrade in quarterback for Baylor when Shapin went out. So if Shapin's out, I actually lean towards Kansas. I think they could actually get an upset here just because Baylor's season might be kind of slowly unraveling. But if Shapin's in, I think Baylor – Team total over is probably a good look there. Their offense is starting to break out a little bit. Any thoughts here, Walt? Yeah, I mean, Shapin, he's he's fantastic. He chased, you know, speaking of Bohannon, he chased him out of town there. And and yeah. their backup, they primarily use is uh, Kieran Drones, and and he did not look very good. And, and yeah, it's going to be a tough situation. While Kansas has a capable backup they can lean on in Jason Bean that's already shown out in two straight games. So, yeah, that's an injury-related news there that we'll have to track and then, you know, hit it before books adjust. But uh, I would probably lean Kansas there depending on that Shapin news. Yeah, um, I'm just – I'm doing, like, the quickest of Twitter searches just for the sake of, like, the live audience. But, um, I mean, I it looks like Shapin is going to be okay to play. Um, uh, they're still eh, they're still in concussion protocol, so maybe they're not. But I think the best way to look is if Shapin's in, you're probably going to see the line react really quickly. They're laying over a touchdown right now. I think – forget the spread. Just go for the team total over on Baylor – um, that would be my best look because that's probably going to update a little bit slower based on the injury news, but you need shaping and that kind of defines the whole bet. So not sure. I believe in Kansas pulling the upset Jerry, but um, you know, shaping's out. Maybe that's a little live, but thank you everyone to that chimed in in the comments, everyone that tuned in live. Let's get that recap graphic up and we will finish out the show. Um, so again, Walt's best bets, UCLA plus six against Oregon, the TCU Kansas state over 56 and a half. Syracuse plus 13 and a half against Clemson and San Diego state minus seven against Nevada. And then for myself, I'm also on UCLA plus six against Oregon, Oklahoma state plus six against Texas, Boise state plus three and a half against air force and Cal plus seven and a half against Washington, a dog 
dog, dog, dog uh, card for me there for week eight. So there's our show. Uh, Walt, thank you so much for coming on. Make sure you check out his stuff at FTN Network and his Twitter page at Dub, D-U-B, Deuces, D-E-U-C-E-S, 85. Uh, big shout out to Joanne Woodcock behind the scenes. She pulls all the strings. She's the best in the business. You follow me on Twitter at Reed Wallach um, and check out my bet stamp at RW33. Until then, until week nine, everybody have a winning week and we will see you next Tuesday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.